Hi, I'm Emily Salaby, founder of Juno Jones, the stylish safety boot company, and your host on the Hazard Girls podcast here on Jacket Media. I'm so honored to host this show where I get to chat with Hazard Girls about their careers. Hazard Girls is an online community for women working in traditionally male-dominated fields. On our show, you'll get to hear from these amazing women about the path that led them to their current careers, challenges they've overcome, advice for other women in entering these industries, and more. Kaylin Lees is the Empowering Women in Industry Tradeswoman of the Year 2021. She is a journeyman pipe welder fitter for TD Industries in Fort Worth, Texas. And she recently achieved her goal of becoming TD's first female leadman, or more accurately, lead woman. As one of TD's top welders, Kaylin works on large-scale industrial and commercial projects in Fort Worth, Texas and surrounding areas. Having met her in person recently, I will tell you that Kaylin Lees is a force of nature. Welcome to the Hazard Girls podcast, Kaylin. Hi, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) I'm so happy you could join us. I need to know, what was it like returning to work after receiving this huge honor of Tradeswoman of the Year 2021? How did everyone react to that? It was pretty exciting coming back to work. I was excited to, you know, tell my foreman and my superintendent and some of my work friends and stuff. But when I got here, they kind of already knew. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I had a guy, he was singing me his own version of the, what's that jingle for Miss America? But he kind of, <laughs> he kind of changed the words up. So I thought that was really cute. And he stopped and I was like, no, you can keep going. <laughs> yeah. So I, yeah, just everyone's very happy for me and proud of me and stuff. So it was a good, good feeling that people kind of respect that, you know, the whole tradeswoman thing. Them. They were excited for me. It was awesome. That is really cool. Congratulations. And I should mention that Juno Jones was the award sponsor. So I was the one who actually got to present you with the award. And that was really very special yeah. to me. I loved that moment so much. I love that I got to yeah, hug you awesome. and hand it to you. It was really, it felt great. And Empowering Women in Industry is just an incredible professional group. I encourage everyone, all of our listeners, please check them out if you haven't yet or go to empoweringwomenandindustry.com and get involved with them. They do fantastic educational conferences each year where it's it's not just education, it's all about like workshops and speakers and the awards gala that we're talking about right now. And this year we had a fashion show too. Well, Kaylin, we know you're now a star welder and we're gonna talk a little bit about that later, but I would like to start with your roots. When I was talking to you at the awards gala, you managed to bring steer up in casual conversation. <laughs> so I knew there was a lot more there under the surface. Can you tell us a little bit about your background with animals? Yes. So I come from a rodeo family. My mom and all my aunts and uncles, they all rodeoed. So it just kind of came through me and my sister. We could ride a horse probably before we knew how to walk. So yeah, just growing up around that, we always had goats, we had dogs, we've had, my mom was part of the state 4-H program. So we were in 4-H, we did a lot of show animals. So we were at the fair. It's not near as big as it is here in Texas. I grew up in Nevada in Las Vegas. So we were all very proud and we all kind of learned how to do the showmanship stuff and equine, swine and bovine. And then yeah, rodeo. So we we travel almost every weekend. We'd probably hit two rodeos every weekend. So it was like 36 weekends out of the year. And then we had all of our nationals in the summer. 
So that it was, was, that was like, as a child growing up, you would do that? Yes. Me and my sister are six years apart. So of course I, I had a head start with her on that. So junior rodeos all the way up to high school. And then we had Little Bridges Rodeos, which is a fantastic organization. Little Bridges does from eight years old all the way up to a senior in high school. Actually, nowadays they have a, a little wrangler. So they're like five, six, seven years old doing it. And then, yeah, high school rodeo and college rodeo, amateur rodeo, and I've even hit up a handful of pro rodeos. That's so fun. Can you explain it a little bit, though, for those who aren't familiar? Because I know I'm not familiar with rodeos. I've never even been to one. I oh, know no. I want to go. <laughs> yeah, really you have go. to. It's such it's so exciting, especially the pro rodeos. They really involve the crowd and just the energy and the whole experience. It's really awesome. You need to go. Is, I mean, what is it exactly? You're It's a showmanship type of a situation where you're putting on a performance or is it a sport? No, it's it's a sport. It's the most dangerous sport on dirt because you're working with live animals. So of course, everyone's like, oh, the bull riding, the bull riding. Yes, there is bull riding. There's saddle bronc riding, bareback riding, which in high school, little britches, junior rodeos and stuff, that's all the, the boys events. The girls have barrel racing, pole bending, breakaway roping, goat tying, and then team roping. And team roping is a co-ed sport in high school rodeo. Then you get to the professional circuit, You do have the Women's Professional Rodeo Association and women do ride bulls and ride bucking horses and and they they do everything, all the events. When you're in the high school time period, they have like the boys and the girls events separated. Is that something that ever comes up? Like, do the girls ever want to do the boys events? And is that ever an issue? Yeah, of course the girls want to do the boys events, but they can do that after they're 18. (laughs) Um, Okay, okay. You have to be 18 to be a, a professional. You have to buy your permit. And then you have to fill your permit. So that means you have to win. You win money and that money goes on your permit. I think it's $350 I think you have to win. And then after you win that, you could buy your your actual card, which is $500. And once you fill that, then you could start entering more rodeos and stuff when you're a professional. And are you still doing it at all? Not as much as I want to because I've just kind of dove headfirst into my career. So I've, <laughs> I've really built that up. I moved back to Texas four years ago now. So I'm really trying to set down some roots, get some land, get some horses. Me and my sister kind of have a plan come January. And then now that breakaway roping is in the professional circuit. We want to start going down the road again and start breakaway roping. Can you describe what that is? So I'll be on a horse and you got a calf in the chute. And so I kind of back in the box and I have to nod and that means go. So the guy opens the chute and I run after the calf. And I rope the calf and stop. And then my rope is tied to a string on my saddle horn. So when I stop, the calf keeps going and it'll break the string from my saddle horn. And then the flagger stops the time. So fastest time wins. And there has been 1.9 second runs, 1.8 second runs. Those are really the kind of around the fastest that has happened. It's not even why you're here. Like you're here to talk about (laughs) being a woman, but I can't help asking you about this because it's so fascinating. We've never had a rodeo cowgirl on the show before. (laughs) (laughs) And do you have any thoughts on just like the treatment, I guess, of, you know, a cowgirl versus a cowboy nowadays? Have things gotten any better? You know, it's never been bad. I mean, that's just the Western way of life, especially coming from like ranching like real cowboy and stuff, not necessarily a rodeo cowboy or cowgirl. It's all about, you know, respect and you can do the same thing guys can do. And there's no questions asked. I've never, ever felt that I was less than or anything, just like how we were talking about 
at the conference, you know, sometimes women, you know, aren't treated just like a man. It's the Western way of life is has nothing like that. Everyone's an equal and you either keep up or you get left in the dust, no matter who you are or what gender you are. It's a fun, awesome way of life. And I wouldn't choose another way. Do you think that growing up in such an environment where you didn't really feel that lack of equality in what you were doing, do you think that influenced you to be able to have the strength and courage to pursue what a lot of people think of as like a male dominated or male populated? Yeah, that's definitely a good way to look at it. I never thought that I couldn't do what guys can do. That was never once ever crossed my mind. In my head, it's, oh, hey, that looks cool. I want to do that. And then I'm going to go do it or I'm going to find more information about it. I'm going to try it. So you got to try everything once. (laughs) When you were little, did you ever have like a moment where you wanted to do part of your sport and they were like, no, that's for the boys? No, I never really wanted to ride a bull or a bucking horse. I trained horses and being the first person on a colt, they buck anyway. And it's, that's not fun. (laughs) So I have no desire. I have no desire to ride anything that bucks. But I do remember I was coming home from a college rodeo and I had to go through the same town. My sister was at a high school rodeo or junior rodeo, I think. Anyway, so I stopped there just to kind of watch her do her rodeo thing. After the rodeo was all said and done, we kind of hung out a little bit. Well, someone had the bright idea to run the team rope and steers through the buck and shoots. And so we all kind of took turns getting on the on the steers and riding the, they just kind of hopped down the arena or whatever. So I got on one. I was like, yeah, this is cool, but I don't want to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> Were you scared? I was nervous. I was more nervous than scared. Was that like a peer yeah. pressure thing? Like everyone's like, do it. <laughs> I was first one. Like, hell yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> but That's yeah, I, I wouldn't want to do it again. It's it's rough on the body. And and I commend all the all the guys and all the women who ride bucking horses and bucking bulls. It's it's a tough sport. It's hard on your body. You received a college scholarship for your rodeo work, right? Yes. So my freshman year, I received a full ride scholarship to University of Nevada, Las Vegas. And that was kind of like my dream school. You hear about everybody, how they have to apply to colleges and they're hoping they get back. I never had to apply. The coach reached out to me. I was like, I want you on my team, sign your letter of intent. And I was like, okay, we're doing this. So it was really cool. I did that for one year. And then after that, I kind of got this feeling like, well, all my friends are going off to college. No, no one's staying home. I kind of want to do that. Like, I want to do the whole college experience and leave home and live on my own. And, and so at that time I had my uncle and my aunt, they moved, had just moved to Stephenville, Texas. And they were talking to the rodeo coach out there at the time was Bob Doty. He is now retired, but he helped me out and it was kind of a instant thing. So I talked to the coach on like a Wednesday, I got my things packed and flew out Friday And then Monday, I started school. So I flew, I think it's like 1,200 miles, I think, from Vegas to Stephenville. And it was just, it happened so fast. And I lived with my aunt and uncle. And I signed up for classes on Monday with the coach. And that's what started my adventure. Wow. Okay. So that's how you got into welding? That's how you started doing trades at that point? It wasn't until after college. I kind of needed a job because having horses and being a grown-up is kind of expensive. My sister needed my horses back in Vegas, so I sent them off. I knew some people who got me into construction. They got my foot in the door, 
my very first job and I seen all these guys in their welding. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. Like that looks really pretty. You know, what is that called? And they were TIG welding stainless steel pipe. And of course it was, you know, gold and all the rainbow colors and it looked really awesome. And they call it lizard belly because that's, it's just a big zigzag or a zipper. And I was like, can you teach me how to do that? Sure. And I was like, okay, like, what do I do? They're like, well, let, let's do it at lunch. I said, okay. So sure enough, I found him at lunch and I said, here, like, what do I need? Like, let's do this. I'm serious. So, okay, sure. Yeah. And so from there on out, it was every lunch, every break. I was there before work. I stayed after work and I just welded on scrap pieces of metal, not necessarily pipe, just metal. And I just, so they started me out at TIG and they're like, you know what? You need to learn how to stick weld first. I was like, okay, whatever you say. And so that's what it was as I, I would just weld beads and beads and beads and beads of just stick welding. But yeah, it was uh, probably another year or so. And I was just in with these great group of guys and half of us are still friends. And I still talk <laughs> with them. And, you know, I even sent them pictures and told them about my award and, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was really cool. Yeah. That's you know, I love that you walked in and you were like, this is, this is beautiful. Like you saw the beauty and the artistic aspect of it first. Yeah. So I was a painter. I hired in as a painter, just ba- a basic laborer. So whatever they needed, like I had to do. And I would sit there and I would watch them and how they would rig the pipe to the crane and how they would fly the crane. And I would watch the communication between the guy on the ground to the guy who, where they're flying the pipe up, which is probably three, four, five, six stories up in the air in the building and just how they all operated together. And it was awesome. Their level of communication was on point. And I'm like, man, that is so cool. Like, I would love to be a part of that. I want to do something meaningful. So here I am doing something meaningful. (laughs) (laughs) You certainly are. So you were doing these, like you started out doing these stick welding, you called it. And then Mm. how did you actually master it to the level where you were able to advance to where you are now? Yeah. It took a while, a lot of hard work and determination. And I'll tell you what, I, I quit probably 10 times. <laughs> like this too hard. I can't get it's it. good for people to hear that because yeah, <laughs> I'm I sure quit. everybody there feels be, like that. Yeah, there would be like a couple of weeks where I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even want to try. I wouldn't even, uh, no, I'm not doing this, whatever. I like just being a helper is fine. And just that statement, being a helper is fine. No, no, like I'm not, I'm not at the top of the food chain yet. This isn't where I want to stay. And so I just kind of had to like self-motivate myself and just, no, this is what you wanted to do. You wanted to do that pretty gold weld, you know, the the zipper, the lizard belly, that's what you wanted to do. And this is me telling myself. So I'm like, okay, I got to get back on it and I got to start doing it again. So I did. And it's just time under the hood. And then I got to where I was talking to the QC guy, the quality control guy on the job site. And he goes, you know what? You want to test? I'll give you a test because I would always bug him, always bug him. Hey, when are you going to test me? When are you going to test me? knowing in myself, like, I'm not ready for no test. I'm not ready, (laughs) but I kept bugging him. Like, I need a test. I need a test. And so finally he's like, okay, I'll give you a test. Come in tomorrow at seven. And I'm like, oh crap, this was really (laughs) happening. (laughs) And I was nervous. I was so nervous. I took it and we bent it and I passed it. And I'm just sitting here like, oh my God, like, this is real. Like I worked so hard and this is happening. And I didn't know who to tell. I, I just kind of stood there and just kind of, I just stood there. <laughs> I don't know what to do with my hands now. So, <laughs> what does that mean when you pass the test? The stick welding test is two plates, probably quarter inch thick, and you have to bevel them. It's kind of like, like an onion. If you cut an onion in half, you kind of got all those layers. 
we have to start with the most inside layer and weld it all the way out to the top, which is a cap. So you do your root. That's where you weld basically the inside. That's your, your first pass where you initially fuse the two pieces of plate or pipe together. So I was doing a plate test. You run your root, you clean it up, and then you run all your hot and you clean it up. Then you run all your fill passes. So it's just bead after bead after bead after bead. When you take a test, you want to grind everything out because you don't want any trash in there. You don't want any inclusions, any kind of anything. You want to make sure you get 100% penetration. So there's a lot of grinding involved. And then you cap it and it's got to be above flush and you clean it up and then you got to cut it into strips. And so there are these really long, I don't know, four inch long pieces of metal and your weld will be in the center of it. And then you take, they call it a heartbreaker because a lot of people don't pass their weld tests and they drove hundreds of miles to come and take this test that they fail and now they got to go down the road. So they call it a heartbreaker. So anyways, we put it in this thing straight wise like this and then you have to, it's like a hydraulic pump and you pump it and you pump it and the more you pump it, this head comes down and pushes and bends the metal. After you bend it, it looks like a, in a U shape. You got to have four of them. And the inspector looks at it. The QC guy looks at it. And as long as you don't have a crack or sometimes you get trapped slag in there, anything that doesn't look like it's hundred percent fused. Mine was clean. And, and he goes, well, congratulations. You just became a welder. What? I could just cry. Cause it's just like all this hard work, all these times I've quit and then started again. It's just like, it all kind of paid off. It was really cool. What did that mean for you though? That that meant that now you could, you could just do the welding jobs. That company would pay you for yeah. that. And was that, yeah. was that a pay raise? That was quite a pay raise. So I was, that was what I was really excited about is the pay raise. And, and I accomplished my goal of becoming a welder. And I'm like, okay, now I want to be a pipe welder because that's the crew I want to work with. I don't want to be a structural welder. I don't want to be, you know, welding for the iron workers. Like I want to be a pipe welder. So that was my next journey as I had to start not only doing, practicing the straight welds, but now I had to do it in a circle. And now I had to do it with two hands. So with stick, it's one hand. I mean, you just got to brace yourself up and then it's just one hand. With TIG, your right hand has to work with your left hand. And sometimes when you first start, it doesn't really work. You got to make them kind of work together. Kind of like a drummer. When you first start drumming. drumming. Well, I don't drum, (laughs) but I'm just, you know what it's reminding me of? Like that thing that you do when you're a kid where you have to pat your head and rub your... Yeah, your stomach in a circle or something at the same time. That's exactly it. Yeah, yeah to make them together. And it was really hard. And I even quit that a lot of times. <laughs> I'd stick my tungsten all the time. And I have to go back and resharpen it. And after I sharpen it, then I stick it again. I got to resharpen it. And then all the beveling, you got to find all the scrap pipe and you got to clean it up because TIG, it's, it's really clean. So you got to get all the trash and the debris, the paint, any kind of silica. You got to clean it up and make it nice and clean and pretty. When you're physically doing this, is it, does it require a lot of physical strength? I know it requires a lot of coordination. Can you describe like how difficult is it physically as far as strength? And I know there's some danger involved with the heat and everything. Can you talk about that? Pipe is very heavy. (laughs) They measure it out or they weigh it out per foot. Normally a full stick of pipe would be 20, 21 foot long, depending on what size of pipe you have. So like if you have a four four inch pipe in diameter and you have 20 foot stick. I'm just going to go off the cuff and say one foot of that is 
30 pounds. We'll just say, I don't really know if it is or not. Now I'm going to have to look at that. But so you times that 30 times 21, and that's how heavy that pipe is. I know I can't carry a stick of four inch pipe by myself, but I know I can lift one end up by myself, just one end, just to pick it up. You kind of have to be strong to do that. A lot of times we'll have, well, either the forklift or we'll have like a roustabout or some kind of equipment, chain fall, something to help pick it up. But sometimes you kind of have to hold a piece so you can get it tacked. Jack stands that we put the pipe in, those can get heavy if depending on how far you got to carry them. A lot of the fittings and stuff. Yeah, there's there's a lot of heavy stuff that we deal with. Almost everything's heavy. Being strong is a plus. I'm not one to ask for help, which is probably <laughs> probably a downfall because I just want to do everything myself. But yes, yeah, so, I mean, I go to the gym often. So I lift weights. That helps with my job in having to carry stuff. But more so, I mean, all the really heavy stuff, we have a forklift to do that for us or a chain ball or something. We have equipment. Well, I have to name drop Deila Ray because yes, <laughs> we saw we just saw Deila in Chicago at the Empowering Women in Industry Conference. And I got to present her with the Tradeswoman of the Year 2020 Award. And I also interviewed her for the podcast. Yeah, I yeah. I asked that a couple of times. Yeah. yeah, a couple of years ago. You know, I haven't talked about welding with anyone in a while. <laughs> but so it's, it's good to hear. I don't think we got to, that in depth about the process. So that, that's really cool to hear. And I'm just wondering, because I know we have Deila, but do you have any other women that you know of in the welding industry that you communicate with, that you talk to, that you can look to for advice or just companionship in that way? I do know that when on the job that me and Deila met in North Dakota, gosh, that was what, 2014, 13, something like that. There was another girl who was learning how to weld. We were trying to help her out as well. Her name was Ashley. And I think she, I want to say a few years ago, I think she actually passed her welding test so she can stick weld. Now I keep in touch with her a little bit, a little bit here and there on social media. I know she just had another baby. So I think, I think she's still on maternity leave. It's been a while since I talked to her, but, um, small club though. <laughs> yeah. It's a small club. Have you had like a role model in that way? Is, has anyone, I'm have you not have there been any women that have come before you that you've had a chance to look? There to? is because I was pretty much the only woman in the field, uh, every job I went to. I had a huge group of guys help me out and met them at the Hugoton, Kansas job. It was an ethanol plant that we built from the ground up. And that's really where we became friends. And they helped me out to start my career. They let me use their welding hoods, their welding machines, their welding gloves, like anything, their grounds, anything that I needed to learn how to weld. They were there with me every step of the way. And I was lucky enough to kind of follow them for the next five, six years to different jobs. And they are really the ones who helped me become who I am. So the group of guys at Hugoton, Kansas that helped me build my career, I just want to tell you guys, thank you. There is one that I do remember. And it was my very first construction job. I think I was in Huntington, Utah. And she was a MIG welder, but she mostly did quality control. And I forget her name. It was so long ago. And I didn't really get a chance to sit down and actually like pick her brain. It was just more so in passing. I do remember her and I do remember she kind of gave me a couple tips. I mean, it's time under the hood and, you know, don't quit. <laughs> so, <laughs> 
Do you think that made um, a difference for you to like to see another woman doing it? Do you, cause you said, I mean, you remember her, it sticks in your head. Do you think it? Yeah. Yeah. I could say that. Yeah. She made a difference that I'm not alone. It was just so long ago and it was very vague. Like I, I don't even think I was on that job for very long. I know I remember her. I couldn't remember what she looked like. I know she had the longest blonde hair I can, I ever saw. <laughs> She's probably out there uh, going, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but she was so nice. And I just wish I would have been able to talk to her more. And I wish I could remember her name. You'll probably figure it out at some point. So what, so what are your goals? So what are your plans? Are you going to be continuing your education and, and are you staying at TD? What are your goals for? Yeah, your I, I really like it here at TD. You know, they support me and I support them just as much as they support me. So it's, it's a really good feeling. They make me feel like I'm a part of this company, like you're a big family member, you know, and other companies, you know, I'm just a number. So that's a really good feeling. I'd love to stay with them. I definitely have some more goals on my vision board. So hitting the lead man milestone was a huge plus. Came totally out of the blue. I was thinking that maybe I would be up for that promotion when I finished school. So I have, after this year, I have one more year. When they told me, I was just, I was just blown away. But yeah, I would like to move up to foreman and eventually superintendent, senior superintendent. That's where my end game is. No doubt that we will see you there <laughs> at some point. How are you going to use your title as Tradeswoman of the Year to spread the word about the trades to young women? Can, and can we help you do that in some way? How can we support you? Because we want to get the word out too about you. I don't think I've thought about that too hard. I do know that I'm speaking in front of a high school next Friday and I get to talk about what it's like being a tradeswoman in the field. So I'm very excited about that. I am an ambassador for my company. I get to, you know, try and spread the word about TD. And, and I know they really want to hire more women in construction, but sometimes, you know, women don't want to work out in the field. And the other ambassadors, a lot of them are office people. I don't really know them well enough to know if they are knowledgeable in the field or anything, but I feel like I bring that part to us TD ambassadors as a whole that I am in the field and I know what to look for, for someone in the field. I feel like that's a good thing. It Words are hard. Asset. <laughs> Please let us know how we can help you spread the word. I want everyone to know about you. We're sharing, you know, on all of our social media about, you know, this podcast and about the awards, the Tradeswoman of the Year Award that you won this year. And um, we want to help you spread the word about that because it's so inspirational to so many women and so many girls who are in high school or just out of high school and thinking about their career and what they want to do. Or maybe they're in something totally different and hating it. You know, maybe they're in nursing school and they don't like it. And they're right. To yeah. People, I think some people want like a career change and a lot of people don't know about what we do out here in construction. They just think it's just a whole bunch of guys, mean guys, you know, you know, BSing or whatever, but it's way more in depth than that. I understand people have stereotypical thinking about what construction workers do. So I definitely want to get the word out that, Hey, no, come on. We're looking for you. We're looking for hard workers. Like we can teach you. And that's one thing I really like about TD is that they're so willing to teach people the mm -hmm. trade. A lot of these industries have worker shortages. So yep. women are a huge untapped resource. It's win-win, right? Like, yeah. It's great for everyone. Well, what are your words of advice to young women who aren't sure what they want to do yet, but are open to the trades? Yeah, absolutely. So just some things that I kind of found out myself these past, I think I'm coming up 11 years in construction. So advice I, I want to give to other people, up and coming women, is you got to be tough. Construction is not for the weak. You got to be tough. You got to sometimes stand up for yourself. Never let them see you cry. 
you can go to the portage on and cry all you want, but don't ever let him see you cry. Be eager to learn. That's why the group of guys that I'm still friends with, they helped me is because I was eager and I took that initiative. I seeked them out and said, no, come help me. My work area set up. So help me. I've had a handful of people that would come up to me and be like, Hey, I want to learn how to weld. Can you teach me? Yeah, sure. You know, just grab some scrap metal and go buy my welding machine. And here's my number and call me when you're ready. You know, I can come over and help you out. Radio silence. Like they don't take the initiative. Like I'm not going to do it for you. If you want to learn, you come and get me, you know, top deal. Always ask questions. Even if you already know the answer or you think you already know the answer, there's no dumb question. Just ask it. And if anything, that leads to more information and more knowledge. And, and the more knowledge you know about what you're working with or working on, the better off you're going to be. Also, be a hands-on learner. Don't just sit there and, and let someone point and be like, yeah, you got to do this, this, and this. Be like, okay, I'm going to do it. I want to do it. And now walk me through it while I do it. So just that's something that you have to really assert yourself into as a woman in, in the trades. Like, do you have to kind of say, no, no, I want to put my hands on it. I want to try it. Or is it a little bit requiring like a little bit more of assertiveness for women? I'm the type of learner I'm, I'm hands-on. So I have to be like, okay, this pipe goes here. All right, cool. I have to grind it. I remember when I was learning how to bevel pipe, he's like, oh yeah, you just take the top edge off the pipe with this grinder. Here you go. I'm like, what? I'm like, no, can you show me really quick what, what you're meaning? Okay, cool. And so then I grabbed it from him. I'm like, so like this, right? He goes, yeah, exactly. Just like that. Awesome. I'm one to like, when I'm trying to learn something new, you can show me once, but then let me do it and watch me and make sure I'm doing it right. And then I got it. Yeah, I think that's really good advice for people to remember. Get your hands in there. And take notes. Sometimes you can't remember everything. So take notes. I think a lot in my head, especially on my drive home. I have an hour drive home. So I think a lot. And sometimes I come up with a good question or something. So I write it down. So then when I come back to my, my foreman or my superintendent or whatever, I ask him that question. A lot of guys like that, that shows that you really want to be here, that right. you really want to learn and you really want to be successful in this, in this career. Uh, yeah, I agree. It shows initiative too. Kaylin, where can our listeners find you if they want to get in touch with you or just follow you on social? Yeah. So I'm on Instagram. So I'm welderwoman underscore 88 on Instagram. I try and keep my Facebook just to like my people that I physically met. So yeah, if you want to follow me on Instagram, sometimes I'm not very good at posting. And then all of a sudden I post like 10 things right in a row. So <laughs> yeah, just follow me on there. And I mean, feel free to slide into my DMs, you know, ask me questions or <laughs> comment or whatever. And I mean, I'm going to do my best to get back to you and answer your question to the best of my ability. Awesome. Well, thank you, Kaylin. Kaylin Lee's Empowering Women in Industry Tradeswoman of the Year 2021 and the TD's first lead woman ever. Congratulations on <laughs> yeah. that. Thank you so much for being here. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I was so excited to do this and this has been a real a real treat, a real experience. And so when the link comes out, I'm going to post it everywhere. I want everyone to listen. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you, Kaylin. You have been listening to the Hazard Girls podcast on Jacket Media, sponsored by Juno Jones, the stylish safety boot company. That's junojonesshoes.com. And you can go there to learn about our steel toe boots and to join the Hazard Girls community. I'm your host, Emily Salaby. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.